1: The Westworld Theorycast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com right now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com is the men's accessory marketplace. They aim to drive men to one place where they can find all the accessories they could want to elevate their look each and every day. Now, We all know that cufflinks.com has Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Star Trek, Mandalorian, Disney, every amazing geeky thing. They have products that match your desires, as well as having the classic wearable art brands like Ox and Bull, Hook and Albert, and of course, Cufflinks' own brand, Cufflinks, baby. So head over to cufflinks.com today. We wish you and your family well. Have a great day. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Westworld Theory Cast. Today we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 3, Episode 1, Parse Domine, which is actually a Roman Catholic chant meaning, Spare, Lord, spare your people, be not angry with us forever. This episode was directed by Jonah Nolan and written by Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan. Wow, it has been a while, two years, (laughs) a while. My name, of course, is Axel and my co-host today and every Monday. I'm so excited. We've already been chatting it up. It's Ken. How are you, Ken? Ken.
0: I am so good, and for all you Latin scholars out there, if we um, didn't get the title of that episode right, sorry, but uh, it's been a long time since I was in Latin class, probably like second grade or something. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be talking to you. I'm glad to be talking about Westworld. Um, I can't believe it's been such a long time since we got new episodes, but I'm rolling up my sleeves and upgrading my AI, and I'm ready to talk about this.
1: Yeah, this is exciting. So Now, Westworld Theorycast, we've been around for, uh, what, I guess now it's four years or so since the very beginning of Westworld, and Heath and I started this show, then Tim and I were doing it, Brett came on board, Justin's been a big part of it, but this season we've got like seven people podcasting, so I'm going to break it down for you. Ken and I are going to be coming to you every Monday. We record Monday morning, I'll release it in the afternoon. On Wednesday, Jenny and Brett are going to join me, and we're going to chat a little deeper dive, more rewatches in, and we're going to also have the advantage of Jenny's notes. And those of you who listen to Big Little Lies, that's Jenny from Big Little Lies. Now, on Friday, we got the cleanup techs, okay? We got Tim is back, Gina is back who is podcasting with us on podcast Winterfell, as well as she podcasted on Handmaid's Tale. And Andy, who if you've uh, been listening to this network, you've heard him do a bunch of different shows, and he's also been on podcast Winterfell. So Gina, Tim, and Andy on Friday. Three shows a week. Also, I'm going to be doing some initial reactions with Justin and Hacks Dogma and In Deep Geek. That's Robert as well. Hopefully, little pre-shows on Sunday. So basically, you have a lot to choose from. I'm going to put the people in the title, and you listen to all of us. Or maybe you have some favorites. Who knows? I know my favorite. It's Ken. We've never even really talked about Westworld before, Ken. We did Veronica Mars. Yeah, And we've done podcast Winterfell, Game of Thrones. But I don't even know how you feel about this show, except that
0: I know you love it. I do love it. In fact, it's quickly after – because I just – I know you just did a rewatch. I just did a rewatch binge where I rewatched seasons one and two sort of back-to-back over the last three or four days. And I don't know. It's quickly becoming – can I say top five? It may be in my top five of all time at this point. Um, and based on the strength of last night's premiere and kind of the totally new direction that the show is going in, in some ways, it really has rocketed to the top. Um, I don't quite—I don't quite know if it's in my top five, but it's close. If it's not, um, I love the show. Uh, hard science fiction is really one of my wheelhouses, and Lost dabbled in hard science fiction. Of course you had the Twilight Zone back in the 60s, late 50s, with, with some classic hard science fiction episodes. Um, but this is just a plethora of hard science fiction. <laughs> it just it it sweats it out of its pores. It's just like raining hard science fiction. And rewatching some of the episodes, some of which I hadn't seen in years, um, it just reminded me how dense the episodes are, the writing, how many things are all happening at the same time, how many ha- um, timelines are going on, and just like the implications of what the characters sit around and talk about, humanity, identity, um, free will versus um, um destiny are you locked in are you a puppet um can you really change your life like these are really big questions that they're asking by telling the story of these androids at a theme park Um, and it's great yeah wow
1: i love it i mean i agree with everything you said and yeah i would say that the expanse and westworld are the on right now and both probably the two best hard sci-fi shows that ever were because sci-fi has a lot of times been taken in either a fantastical way or a more light actiony comedic way you know like buck rogers and stuff yeah. like that so the they t- these shows take it really seriously this is just the world that people live in and um, I should remind everyone, we're part of the DVR Podcast Network. Check us out, dvrpodcast.com. We're doing Better Call Saul. There I did the shill. But continuing with Westworld, what you talked a little bit about the change here, and there definitely is a change. And on the off-season, um, I did a couple shows with Justin and Hacks, and we went over some trailers, and we talked a little bit about the The rumors that were out there that they were going to kind of take the puzzle element out of the narrative, even though they were going to maintain the mythology that nothing was going to change everything we saw in season one and two happened, but it's just the tone and the way they tell the story was going to become a little cleaner. And from the first episode, we see that, right? Like, I don't think that, anyone is theorizing that Bernard is actually 20 years in the future, right? Right. And Aaron Paul is in 1984 or something like, no, that these things are happen- happening concurrently. They also go to more lengths to say things like the date or how long it's been since events occurred. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's been three months. We know that now. They say yeah. it in like almost each one of the three kind of places we're at. They mention that or we see a newspaper article. So yeah. they're giving the audience more of a leash and guiding us and and adding a little bit more of the action set pieces. I mean, the opening with Dolores is almost it's almost like 13 minutes long. That yeah. was pretty long. Yes. You know, and that was basically a big action set piece. Yeah, And um, I think that uh, – I like it. I, I, I mean, I loved season one and two where, we, you know, the whole – I mean, season two was so complicated and having just rewatched it, I understand it so much better. But
0: I enjoyed this more streamlined. Yeah, it's definitely more linear for sure. And you're right about the timeline. though. So I would think that the sequence with Jerry – the guy, the, dead, the now dead guy in the pool, I I would think that happened soon after the events on I agree the island. With you. Yeah, I think because it's a, he because yeah. because he was reading the headline and he was reacting to it as if it had just happened. Good and point. He was yeah. still scrambling about his stock, you know, um, losses. And then, of course, after that sequence, then you're right. You do get the timestamp, um, particularly at the board meeting that it has been three months since the events of the end of season two. This is Ken. This is why I love pocket. Look, we're just, we had
1: never talked about Westworld before. <laughs> we're already in it, baby. It's happening. We Westworld and- is here. You picked up. I didn't, I was like, that's Brooke. Cause it makes so much sense too. Right. They're just trying right. to tell us, Hey, this is how Dolores set herself up in the world.
0: Yes. Now, obviously she had time to, Make herself her original body, but I don't think that machine, I don't think it takes that machine a long time to make a host body, uh, and the one that Arnold left them, yeah. So, um, so obviously, but see, it raises all sorts of questions like, did she clone? I don't know if she can clone her consciousness, like, so if she's back in her body. Then who was in Charlotte's body at that the board is, meeting? That, yeah, see, Ken,
1: that is something that I can say on earlier episodes of this show, we had theorized that we might get to a point where a host has multiple bodies, but a singular right. consciousness. Yes. And that's one of the things – that was one of my last questions and we're already to it, which is who's Charlotte who is Martin or the Tommy Flanagan, yeah. who we know from Sons of Anarchy? I love that dude. Um right. who are these people? Right. Are
0: is, Are they all Dolores? Yeah. Like is it all Dolores? Or is it some of the four is it the four other um uh consciousnesses that she took out of the park with yeah, her? Those balls. And who are those four people? Like yeah, I mean, obviously one of them was Bernard, because we saw him and she remade him. So obviously, one of the little um, uh, modules was Bernard that she looked in her purse at the end of season two. Yeah, the, there were five balls in there, right? So, so there are five balls. So then, if one of them was Bernard, then four are question marks. Um, th- there's a lot of theories out there that one of them was her father, Peter Abernathy. Um, Seems a little sentimental for Dolores at this point. Mm, Yeah, Um, and also his was
1: his consciousness was in the control unit or that ball that was the was the key to open the forge. So yes. I don't think that she brought maybe she brought that with her. She didn't need it anymore because she de- the forge was destroyed and the data was sent up to the satellite, right? And hidden away yeah. somewhere. So Now
0: we saw her inject Teddy into the the land beyond, but right. But did she make a copy of it? Uh-huh. Like, it, That's, like yep. is like it, like Teddy one of the four modules? I want him wow. to
1: be, right? Because you want – I like that idea, Ken, because it provides a connection to yeah. what has happened before on the show. And the way that he killed himself because of the way she turned him into – like injected Wyatt into him and changed yeah. him was really heartbreaking. And I think that it would be good to have some sort of conclusion to that. But I love your first idea, which is that she has the capability to have multiple consciousnesses. But then it begs the question is, how far away can they communicate with each other? You know what I mean? Like things like that, because there was the whisper net that yeah. existed within the park. That's how Clementine was able to poison everyone's mind through the virus, right. which they came up with because Mave took control of that and used it against the ninjas. And right. So, yeah. wow, we're getting into, oh man, I'm talking Westworld. I'm getting, I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit. Of, let, let's, kinda, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's, let's bring it back. Okay. And do we both agree that, we like – I didn't I didn't feel like this show was any dumber at all. I felt like it was no. still very smart. You had to pay attention to what was happening. Um, but it just didn't have the crazy where things happening. So
0: basically, I love this episode. I love the episode too. Tonally, tonally, it was also different. It was quieter. Um, a lot of the stuff with Caleb particularly was like – character study like independent movie character study yes. stuff yeah um so like it could have been a sundance movie of like a guy <laughs> facing hard luck in his life um and uh, and aaron paul is a welcome addition to well to the westworld family um i thought i was going to be distracted by breaking bad by his breaking bad past but I wasn't like I after a first few the first few minutes I totally bought him as this down on his luck guy who's just trying to make it work um, he has a sick mom he has a job that he doesn't particularly love um, he's doing illegal illicit stuff on the side just to make extra money um, but I totally bought him as this kind of hangdog guy who is kind of struggling both literally and emotionally. Yeah. Um, and um, he seems a little tortured and damaged. Just so he'll fit right in to Westworld, right? <laughs> so, <no. laughs>
1: That's you know he is really empathetic yeah. and likable. I really I was surprised. I was so used to Westworld introducing us to characters, and then a scene later. You know, they're raping a woman or killing someone or do you know what I mean? Like just this is a violent show. These violent delights, you know, it's like, look what happened to William, the man in black. Look, I mean, come on. Right. Um, and, And as we're introduced to Aaron Paul, I wonder if we're seeing a mirror there that this guy we see who who, yeah, he does these jobs. But he does them because he's ex-military. He doesn't do them because he's a bad guy, right? He does them because he's a man who can do a job like that. And he's been trained to do jobs like that. But he still takes care of his mom. He's trying to work through the pain and loss that he has of especially his best friend. Yeah. uh, His army buddy. And let me ask. How soon did it occur to you that he was talking to a computer program that that's what was calling him on the phone?
0: Not until the very end, which I thought was a great payoff for me emotionally. And then it sort of capped. And it made me – see, it did the thing that – that. Westworld is really good at which there's often a scene near the end of an episode or near the end of a season that makes you want to go back and watch the entire season again or the entire episode again and this was what that was one of those moments for me for because when I realized it it made me want to go back and rewatch the episode again right then and there which is great yeah that's gr- i wish that it had
1: um kind of fooled me but i think by the third time or even second time that they he called him and even in the initial call i i got this feeling that this guy – or maybe they did – they were doing those little flashbacks to wherever they yeah. were. Some of the – it was a mix of flashbacks. Some of them, they were in army fatigues and look – and then others, you could tell it was the actual robbery that went wrong and ended in – what's his name? Kid Cuddy is the actor's yeah. name. Um, is it Francis? Uh, yeah, France. Exact Francis yeah. that yeah. ended up for, with Francis dead. They
0: cut well, there was. And, Go ahead. There was one flashback when they were in military fatigues where I saw a Russian sign in the background. Okay, So obviously there was some sort of military thing that they were doing maybe in Russia, um, which is interesting. Um, Yeah, because we don't know about
1: what – now, there has been stuff released online, some little videos – And a kind of almost like an ARG, like an alternate reality game that's taking place online. I think they're releasing information about Insight and all that. And it may give some clues to, um, I think Justin and I talked about this to that there was some sort of fight with the Russians or some sort of Russian, neo Russian revolution that happens. So there's a whole different history of the world we're contending with. And, I mean, that's the outside world that we didn't see for two years of Westworld. We're now learning all about it.
0: Yeah. And the other great thing about the Caleb character is that through him, in a kind of a meta point of view, we got introduced to the world. Um, We got to see him at work, working with an AI. We got to see him using the app, uh, kind of like the the crime Uber (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to like pick – to like a la carte.
1: And it's called RICO. And if you know, the RICO laws are where – that's what they use against like Tony Soprano and the mafia. Like anything you make from your bad intentions, the government can take. Anything from illegal activity, that's the RICO rule.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's a great name for the app, yeah, considering like that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, um, so I I was just going to finish up by saying that through the Caleb character, we actually got to see a lot of, um, I guess he's in Los Angeles, right? Yep. So we got to see like a lot of what 30 years or 30 odd years in the future looks like. Um, we got to see a lot of the technology. We got to see a lot of just like what the day-to-day walking around world looks like through Kim, which was great. Yeah, that was. That is cool. Um, Oh, I think – I thought
1: we were coming to the same on the RICO thing, which is like – so if the RICO rule is that the government can take from a criminal anything that they gain, it's kind of interesting that the app is called RICO, like the criminal is taking from the world, right? Anything that the world has stolen from them.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Because in effect, we a lot of his journey, he's trying to get a job, he's wearing a suit, he's trying to be on the up and up, yeah. but they don't want him. He's ex-military, right? Like maybe we're going to find out that this is like a kind of a Vietnam type situation, right? Yeah. Um, Or he's damaged or he doesn't have his implant turned on. He mentioned that. You know, everyone keeps on taking these little circular pills which I would guess is like nanotechnology that they put on their tongues. Did you see his mom took one? Yeah. In the beginning, the guy takes one to go to sleep. It's almost like he chooses a program or a dream even and puts it on his tongue and yeah. then goes to sleep.
0: Yeah, like okay. is it is it a tranquilizer? Is it a Upgrade like like is it doing something logistical? A program for you all? is, it, is inter- it a program? Yeah, right, that's
1: interacting and- with with whatever implant that he has.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. And is it connected to the implant? Like, so does it act with the implant? It, it's
1: really interesting. Well, yeah, and how long is it just to keep the the mind flowing? That Dolores comes up with the idea if everyone has these implants. Can yeah. she take over the implants inside of people or can Maeve take over? You know what I mean? Like it's interesting if Maeve had been the one that had escaped, which was actually Ford's original plan. Right. Let's not forget. Yes. Maeve was the one who was supposed to, in season two, he says, I had a plan for you, Maeve, a plan of escape. <laughs> you would go on a train, right? Yeah. But yeah, she yeah, chose yeah. to stay for her daughter. We'd yeah. be thinking, Oh, Maeve can start taking over every because, in the same way, Dolores grabs the handle in the house and it automatically lets her in. Yeah, Dolores seems to have a connection to this world and be able to control it in a way. But Maeve seemed to upgrade to the point where she could just do it control everything with, like, I would imagine if Maeve was in Los Angeles, she'd like she wouldn't need to. Like, you know, all the cars, all that, like the motorcycle would just come. She wouldn't even need to like communicate with it. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a different level, but I don't know. My mind starts moving around, but I, Caleb is a really sympathetic character. I was surprised by how emotional this was. Like you're saying a little Sundance movie. Yeah. I had hoped that Westworld would take a turn. Where if they didn't concentrate as much on the puzzle, they put more of an emphasis on character and character connections. And I'm glad that they did that because that episode last season, like the Acheta episode, is a sterling example of how they can expertly mix the emotional and the sci-fi elements in a yeah. straighter story.
0: Yeah. Agreed. You know? and you know you also get the character beat with Caleb that he won't do quote unquote personals which um i believe means harming other people yep, yep. um which you know that in and of itself says something about him it says that he has a code yeah he's a good um, guy that he's a good guy like i mean he's not unlike teddy from seasons 1 and 2 and mm. and, and also she falls into his arms at the end of the episode, the same way she fell into William's arms um, totally, in season yeah. one.
1: Yeah, that's what I wonder, Ken, is Caleb Teddy? Is he William or is he Caleb? You know what right. I mean? Right. Are, are, what are we going to discover about him? Because there's the meta elements that we've lost basically our two male leads. Yeah. Teddy and William were the two male leads for the first two seasons. So that's the place that Aaron Paul is taking production wise. But as far as our narrative goes, how does he fit into this? He is also, they, they, through his narration, which is really kind of his phone calls, we hear him talking about a yearning to connect with something, right? To find his path. And that was so much. Of what William and Teddy talked about as characters, as well, right? Teddy was always like, Someday, Dolores,
0: someday. (laughs) (laughs) In that grappling voice that he would try to take on, he goes,
1: That someday is today, Teddy.
0: We gotta kill everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's really interesting to see, like, I mean, because the other thing is this story is all about loops little loops, big loops, like is Dolores in a loop where she's going to meet the same kind of guy all yep, the time. Yep. Like the William, the, the young William, the Teddy, is she going to have the same effect on Caleb that she had on those two gentlemen? Um, you know, so, or can you break the loop? Is that the end of the story is these characters learning how to get out of the loops that they're in? Um, that's, it's yeah. that's It's something, that's something interesting to think about it totally is and that that was so it makes me immediately hear
1: the music doo doo do, doo do, do. and the train <laughs> hoo hoo right and we <laughs> right. see teddy riding in and this is the right even though she's outside of the park when we look at this ele- look at this episode there's elements of the park the little kind of robbery thing that happens is reminiscent of the whole robbery we see in show that's repeated in Shogun world at the bar. Right. It's like, it's a whole kind of set piece that happens when really it's kind of a MacGuffin. Um, Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because when we, when Caleb gets involved and meets Dolores, it's because of her posing as this different person Laura Espin yeah and getting ingratiating herself with Liam Dempsey Jr who is yeah. the CEO of Insight um i guess do you want to talk uh, i guess my first question to you is because we i kind of have the rest of it figured out is we go on this elaborate thing she is found out right She's, or, or it's highly suspected or Martin has been fo- tra- tracking her phone and he sees something is going on. They take her and they follow through with the information that they find on her phone. Am I correct about that? Yeah. Yep. And that is that she is having multiple deliveries happen at this one spot. One of those deliveries – is Caleb a we see another delivery guy but then he just drops off whatever he is and he walks away. Yeah. They take this delivery to then meet up with a secondary person that she has communicated with on her phone. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yep.
1: And it's at that spot where we find that that person is actually a copy of
0: right. of uh, Martin
1: of Martin but we don't see it initially. He sees it. And that's why the whole gunfight erupts. Right. Yeah. Uh, At first I thought it was actually Carl from season two, the security guy. Yeah. That was in there. I thought they were kind of throwing us with something weird there, but um, basically my point is this, did this seem like an elaborate setup to you? Because it, it just didn't, it seemed like the, this was – she wanted to get caught to bring them out there so she could switch out the
0: Martins because she already made the Martin. I think the details happened different – here's my theory. I think the details happened differently than she thought, Uh but – I think it was always her plan obviously to exchange the Martins so that she could have a mole at Insight. Um I think she maybe my my thought is that she originally was going to do it another way. Um and then uh, and then um and then it ended up happening the way it happened. Right. Um but I don't discount what you just said. Did Dolores lay out digital breadcrumbs for them to follow on her phone? And then set a trap. Like I don't discount that—that's a poss- that strong possibility. So you could be onto something. But my initial, like when I was watching the episode, the way I took it was that she had a plan, and that a lot of what we saw was part of the plan. But just the internal details got a little smudgy yeah. because of what happened. Yeah. See, I was
1: because there is a old French movie that I cannot remember the name of where there is a set up heist and, and what they actually, what they're actually stealing is the antidote to something that it, that the uh, person involved knows the other person is going to knock them out. You see? So that's what I thought was happening that Dolores was getting something delivered when he keeps on injecting the drugs in her
0: yeah that that actually helped her yes that well i mean that seemed to be the case i mean they obviously didn't have the effect on her that they would have had had they been pumped into a quote unquote normal human being um so but did they have an accelerating effect on her like well i i don't know yeah
1: Taking a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. We're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in cufflinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser and you will arrive and you will be amazed, happy surprised at the amazing products that cufflinks.com has you might think to yourself hey i don't have an informal event coming up you know i'm not into cufflinks but guess what they have a lot more than that actually i'm wearing a pair of star wars socks that they sent me cufflinks.com is where it's at go to cufflinks.com slash dvr today hey everybody i've got an exciting announcement Our very own Heath Santazo, a.k.a. Heath Solo, who you know is a great actor, has been writing a screenplay and is now producing his first feature film, The Star City Murders. A team of detectives are tracking down a serial killer, but his methods are like nothing law enforcement has ever seen. It's a race against time before more victims are claimed. The Star City Murders. You can be a big part of this project and become a backer. Just go to cefilms.com for all the information on the film and how to donate, or go to kickstarter.com and search The Star City Murders. And also, if you look in the show notes or at dvrpodcast.com, all the links are there for you. There are many great rewards for donating, including a tier where you get an exclusive behind the scene podcast hosted by me, Axel Foley. That's right. Let's help get Solo make this movie. All right. Go out there and donate $5, $10, whatever you can give. Let's make sure that Solo gets this done. And also all the Patreon funds coming to DVR podcast are going to this Kickstarter because we believe in Solo. This is going to be an awesome movie and we want to be a part of it. So head on over to CE Films today. The Star City Murders, baby. Let's find the killer. Yeah, it's all very interesting. I'm not sure. I like what you said, which is that there was a plan. It didn't go right. And then that's how kind of Caleb entered, right? Yeah. That yeah. he was, like Ford would say, the unknown, the the surprise that, that enters into things that changes the loop in some way. Um, or I did have to say this is Westworld. Is is he
0: part of the plan? Right. Like that's what I was just thinking. Like someone, <laughs> some some other character said that. Oh, the man in black would have said there are no coincidences. Yeah, there are no accidents. Yep. So was 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 Caleb always going to meet Dolores? Like was that always going to happen? Was he destined to meet her? And it's interesting because. Part of the
1: thing and the whole reason why Dolores is trying to get in with this um, – I, I keep on wanting to say Liam Gallagher, but that's not Liam Gallagher. But Liam Dempsey Jr., who's played by John Gallagher – good. I like this actor – is yeah. because this company, sight created this AI thing called the Rehoboam. Is that how you pronounce uh, it? Uh, Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Okay. Yeah. Rehoboam. And it's like an AI, and there's a video, actually, and I can, I'll could i put it in the show notes for those of you, if you want to watch, you could just look it up on YouTube, where the father, Liam Dempsey Sr., who we find out has been killed now, right, S- since right. this video has been made. Am I right about that? They do say that, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 Um, And this is like watching everyone. It's some sort of AI algorithm um, that human beings sign up for this program and it'll like make your life better. You know, it's like, right. it's, it's
0: like a life planner, yeah. but like more intense, like it charts your life for you. It tells you what thing you should do. Maybe what thing you shouldn't do. I also wonder is insight connected to the implants? Um They must be, because maybe that's how Rehobum works. It's through the implants. Um, are they also connected to the little circular things that people are taking? Like how much is insight involved in people's day-to-day lives? Yeah. Like that's, we, it's really interesting. Um, yeah. And what is Dolores's interest besides the obvious? What is her interest in insight? Because even her assassination of Jerry at the beginning of the episode had something to do with insight. Um I mean, that was one of the reasons why she killed him. She killed him for multiple reasons. Turned out he raped her um, when he was in Westworld. So there was a, a personal aspect to her wanting to kill Jerry. But it really had to do with stealing his money, but also acquiring his stock of Insight. Um And now she's schmoozing with the son of the deceased co-founder of Insight. She's replaced the security head of Insight. Um, and she now has a name, right? Serac. She has the name of the other co-founder, the programmer. Of
1: right. This is like right. it, it reminded me a little bit of the Matrix. You know, yeah. um, like who is the the virus, the programmer? She's figuring. Is this like the Ford equivalent? And Insight and and Delos were competing companies. Yeah. And Delos benefited off of Ford, right? I mean, it's a company that William built based really on Ford's technology and genius. Yeah. And so it seems that perhaps there was a similar Steve Jobs, Wozniak, Wozniak setup up going on at Insight with Gallagher and Ciroc, right? Yeah. That he's the real genius behind it. But even – i found more interestingly is the way that this invades our screen we're given these interstitial title sequences divergence china anomaly detected los angeles elevated security scrutiny london as if the computer ai is is honing in on these scenes in particular Because they're meaningful to the computer. So these are really cool. Um, It gives you a feeling like that Rehoboam is like showing you what's happening on the screen. And I started to think, Ken, should we be paying attention to the specific scenes that follow these interstitials and should we know that Rehoboam is watching what's happening? Because remember Martin, when she finally is about to like take him out and they're in that, I don't know, it looked like near like Central Park or something like that, though. I know. I think it was shot in Singapore. And she's like, um, where, where is he or how do I find him? And he says something like, well, he already knows you. It's been watching you or he said something along those lines as if this thing is watching everything that's happening. So is, are we kind of tapping into the feed when we get those interstitials, that title sequence? Yeah. We've never gotten anything like that in Westworld before. They've been very, they've never really done like titles and stuff like that. So it's, I don't know. I'm kind of trying to figure out how it fits in with this narrative.
0: Well, except that we do we do know that uh, that Delos was um, mostly interested in tracking the guests of the park and tracking them um, mentally psychologically um, and in every way they could track the guests of the park and then storing that information. This thing with Rehobom seems to especially if they're also connected to the implants that people have. It seems like the majority of people in this future have implants. So if Rehoboam is also connected to that, then this seems like a next level intrusion into people's lives. And what is insight doing with all of that information? That's one question. What is Sirach? What, how is he benefiting from what insight is doing Um, how is Delos a potential impediment to him? What, and what are the hosts? How are they an impediment to him? Like, how are they on his radar? These are all questions. And then the last question is, what does Dolores want to do with Rehobum? Um, How does she intend to use it? Because obviously she's interested in it because she's already done three or four things in just the first episode that would get her closer to Rehoboam. Well, it would seem
1: that if you are a sentient AI, which Dolores basically is just contained within one person, right? Um what could that she would want to connect with a um I don't know how to explain, like it's almost like uh that AI Dolores is a a plant and this rehobum is more like a fungus. Oh, I see. Oh, you know that's what I good. mean? Yeah, like how fungi like they say like the largest organism in the world is actually a fungal tunnel that runs from North Carolina to New Jersey. Like did you ever hear things like that? Like there's yeah, this yeah. huge it's it's like a multi organism and that's kind of what Rehobum is. Oh, could we be going towards Dolores trying not only to control this thing but to become it? to add her sentience, her human th- AI to its almost more data-driven computer task mode AI. Like is yeah. she trying to give it an intelligence or a personality,
0: you know? Um, and how is how might she use that offensively to either destroy the human race or subjugate the human yeah. race? Because perhaps, though, what I'm thinking is the way this
1: episode's set up, it's so interesting that, you know, we've been inside the park for so long, and we're thinking about how they're going to fight, you know, the hosts against the Tex and, you know, Ford versus um, Delos. And now it's like, is Rehoboam really what's in control of the outside world? Has, Do- has Dolores kind of discovered – oh, she thought that she was going to become that, but actually she already has this enemy that she didn't – this other enemy she didn't even know about. So it's interesting the way she wants to – does she want to control it or does she want to
0: kind of meld with it is my big question. And then the other thing I think about – kind of a big, big picture thing is it's a really interesting hard science fiction commentary on the human race to tell a story where things have happened, wars, disasters, and now the population is relying on technology like Rehoboam. And it's a really interesting commentary on our present day uh, relationship with technology. Um how much are we relying on it? How much are we letting it do things that we should be doing ourselves? Um, so it's a really interesting kind of hard science fictiony commentary on that whole part of it too. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. Let's 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 keep it moving a little bit here. And okay. I wanted to talk about Hale. We really only oh, yeah. see one kind of scene with her when yeah. she's meeting with the board. Yeah. And this was pretty interesting. This it was quick, but it was, it was a kind of an interesting meeting. We get a little bit of factoids about her, you know, someone's who died and made her CEO, you know, like that right, kind of thing, right. which yeah. says to me, not only, okay, they're talking about either, you know, Ford or William, because he seems to be the one who's missing from this board. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, but also, we never – I always had the question of how did like a 20-something-year-old woman become the chairman of the board of Daylo? Like how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. Like is she – I always suspected that she already had changed her body, that she was like an old lady who moved into like a younger body. So I just – I think that there's more to hail than – we know now we know of course she's dead and she's been somebody's in her body but i i just wanted to bring that up that i think that there's still something deeper there that we never really found out
0: about her those are all you're like blowing my mind those are all really interesting questions some of which i hadn't even thought of until this moment and now it makes me want to like go back and watch her scenes in season 2 again and like her introduction scenes and because you're right she's very young Um, and, and when they introduced her in season two, she was already had a position of great prominence within the company. Um, and so how did a person like her, and let's just say it, how did a woman of color, who's so young rise to the ranks of a company like Delo's like, and I'm, and the only reason why I say that is because we live in the world that we live in, right. Where women in general are still looked down upon as lesser than most men, especially in the corporate world. So, so then she's a woman, but on top of that, she's a woman of color. So I would love to know Charlotte's backstory. Like how did she grow up? Where did she grow up? Who were her parents? Like, those are all really interesting questions.
1: Yeah, because we don't know about how this – that world is different from our world in that respect, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. There did seem to be at least one other woman on the board, but it did seem to be mostly comprised of men. Yeah. Though of different nationalities, I would have to go back and look at it deeper Um, I do think that they're presenting more of a multicultural worldwide based society at this point in the future. Yeah. But we still don't know what the racial and ethnic or gender dynamics are, though we do know that enough to know that in the Park of Westworld, the gender dynamics are definitely not favoring women. No. Right? So that hasn't (laughs) changed. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) um, it's interesting. You're right. That should be something that we're looking at in the outside world as well because that's a part of the world. Let me ask you a question.
0: Okay. Okay. So we're still on the board meeting. Is there any reason why if the secret board member who wasn't there – if that wasn't William, why they wouldn't have just said his name? And then it, is, it, is there a possibility that that board member is someone else then?
1: I think, you're your right? I think you hit upon something there because I think that, that Charlotte is taking William's place and that yeah. other board member is probably someone different. Like yep, he's I been de- he's been declared dead, or he's not, th- or something. Because th- we don't know what happened to him. We last saw him in that crazy stinger where we think he's a host with his host daughter. Remember at the end of season yeah. two. Yeah, but yes. we didn't see him in this episode, and there's not really a mention of
0: him. And if there's a secret, quote unquote, board member, who is it, and do we know them? Yeah, um, that's really interesting. And why make such a big deal of having a secret board member? Like it just – because I thought if it was William, wouldn't they have just said William? Like we know who William is. Um, So I agree with you. I think Charlotte was standing in for William and then that absent secret board member is someone else entirely.
1: Yeah, because as far as they know, I mean they know about – they all know about the secret project right yeah. They're the board yeah so william if we if we look at the events of last that little stinger at the end of last season and speculate what happened to delos that's where william is yeah he's involved he's he's getting his fidelity tests right now and they all know that so they don't talk about maybe that's why they don't talk about it maybe that's but i think you're right i think that there's someone else here and in in their stead, though, there's also an AI that decides things by algorithm, which obviously Dolores probably hacked.
0: Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that was kind of funny. But that's all we really get of Charlotte, though that was a cool – I mean, let's not even Besides- mention – Oh,
0: Besides the question of like who's in Charlotte, yes. which was like the big uber question from her entire scene, was like who's in there? Is it Dolores? Is it someone else? If it's someone else, then who is it? Like that's all really interesting. Um, I guess the only other person who was featured in last night's episode that we have not talked about is Bernard. Um, my favorite. Oh, uh, are you a oh Bernard my God. fan? I know you. I am a big Bernard fan, and I was sad that he trimmed that bushy beard so soon. (laughs) I wanted the bushy beard to stick around.
1: Oh yeah, I know. You know what? I recently shaved too, Ken. I gotta break it to you.
0: Uh, Heart, you you just broke my heart. (laughs) Um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of a big bushy beard just in general. Um, and I like, I will sometimes grow my beard out to be really bushy. Um, and so I was a big fan of, of bushy bearded Bernard. Um, and, and <laughs> it was just interesting to like, the writers of Westworld often um, surprised my expectations and finding Bernard, I think he was in the Philippines, finding him working at a meat plant in the Philippines was sort of the last place I expected to pick up on his character um, and kind of leading a life where he's trying to stay under the radar because he's being blamed for the entire Westworld debacle. Like he's being treated like the evil mastermind of killing the board and all those humans and blah, blah, blah. So he's on the run. He's on the lamb. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Was he checking himself or is there something else? Like, does he have a split personality? Like what's going on with him? This is what I think. Um, There was such a big
1: uh, theme that, or I should say Ford set it out, right. You know, the reason why Arnold turned Dolores, injected Wyatt into Dolores is because, Arnold made Dolores and Arnold loved humanity, right? He, he was empathetic and then Dolores loved humanity. So in order to kill, she had to become Wyatt in order for Teddy to kill. He had to become, you know, Teddy. I I think Wyatt is always the bad program. I think that Bernard has created his own Wyatt and he can press a button and good-natured Bernard becomes i'm going to call him Weinard, Wyatt and Bernard. <laughs> it's like a Hulk. You don't want to be around me when I'm angry, right? And he presses that button, and all of his internal numbers that we saw on the tripad at Westworld, yeah. anger goes up, empathy goes down, right? Yeah and he and but there's a back door, and that's the button. And somehow there always has to be a part of his consciousness that's always awake, even when he's whinered, in order to press the button. Yeah. So I do think that he created an alternate program and loaded it into
0: himself. Or did Dolores create
1: it? That is a good point, because he seems to be petrified that he's communicating with Dolores without his own knowledge.
0: Yes. Like, we know that she rebuilt him when she got back to the real world, that he may have been the first host that she created when she got back yeah. um, to Arnold's house. Um, did she put in Bynard or it or, you know, whatever? Did she put in evil Bernard to to help control him oh. or to or to give him – to make him more the kind of host that she wants him to be. Well, see, I think that I don't, maybe to
1: control him, I don't know in order to help him because remember, she said the reason why she remade him is because, and I think technically, so she was Hale, then Hale made Dolores, yeah. then Dolores made Bernard, right? Right, right, right. So. Right, right. She, I think she said to him, if I was human, I would have let you die. But I know that I need you. We need to create this balance. I find a lot of Eastern philosophy in this show that she seeks a balance within herself from the outside. Bernard is like the yin to her yang, right? And she needs that. So she creates him to put that program inside of him would kind of defeat the purpose of freedom. Cause so much of it was about choice. Yeah. You know, the way she let Maeve decide, remember she was going to kill Maeve. Yeah. And she said, I'll let you make your choice. You know, she originally Dolores didn't want the people going into the forge, but eventually, you know, Bernard had to take her out in order to do it. But when she came back around, she didn't disturb that she helped the yeah. plan go to its fruition actually remember right she yeah, was yeah, the yeah. one who did it in the end so yes. i don't think she would do that to him he's afraid of that but i don't think she would do that to him um but it begs the question of where her ethics lie now right
0: it totally does like where is she on her emotional journey yeah. like like she's obviously a million miles away from the rancher's daughter. Um, she's not that girl anymore either. Um, but where is she on the spectrum between the rancher's daughter and Wyatt? Like, where is she there? Um, I don't know. And and it's one of the things that I'm most interested in, like charting not only their kind of the, the complicated plot of the story, but this is also an emotional story. And, you, you know, you you've mentioned it and a number of times how emotional this story can also be. Um, and part of the emotionality of the story is the characters, you know, we're emotionally invested in these hosts, particularly the hosts. Um, and, um, and so it's really interesting to see what's going to happen to, uh, Dolores, what's going to happen to Maeve, what's going to happen to Bernard What I mean, is Teddy going to reemerge. So, um, it's really interesting like is she is she destined to be the black hat is Is it more complicated than that? Is there an internal struggle um It'll be really interesting to see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think that is. and I think that's what Bernard's trying to figure out you know he he I mean, I was most interested coming into this season. where's Bernard and what's he doing? And we find him pretending to be Armand Delgado, which is actually an anagram for damaged Arnold. It's so great. Like Bernard Lowe's an anagram for Arnold (laughs) Weber. Um, This show, I love that. Um, Yeah. He's here, but he's not, he's on the run. He's not doing anything. They have we don't know who pinned this all on him. It was, was it Charlotte's, was it Hale's idea to pin it all on him through Dolores? Was it Dolores's idea? Was it, is that just the way it happened? Because that's a disadvantage that like there is a, I wonder if we're going to get little filling in the gaps of uh, flashbacks of what happened during this three months yeah. How did Arnold? How did Bernard put this program in himself? Why? Um, yeah. Ha, what happened with the? What's going on with the board and what and insight and all that? You know, because I'm kind of interested in. We find out at the end Bernard's going back to Westworld. You know, after yeah, getting after. after getting found out and the fight scene there, which is kind of cool. You know, yeah. why are the guys staring at him? He's go, he wants to go back to Westworld, and I I like was I cheered. I thought that that was that was like lost to me, you know. Like we yeah. have to go back.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. And, but then, but then it begs the question, just like it begged it in Lost. Like, why are what are you going to do when you get back? Is he looking for Ford? Um, is there something else specific that he's looking Maybe. to do I, back I have on the idea. island? I have an idea.
1: I think that he realized that even in creating this, you know, this Barnard, Weinard character inside of him, he can't be like Dolores. I think he's going back to get Maeve. I think he wants to try to entice Maeve so she can call him Bernard. Um, I love when she (laughs) says that. Um, Bernard. uh, And I think they're going to team up. Because I just don't think – like we were questioning so much of Dolores' – is she the good guy, is she the bad guy? But when you think about Bernard, he just doesn't seem to have that – he's not that type of person. He's not a leader like that, that he's yeah. going to spearhead. But I mean he even – when those guys were beating him up, he was even saying – kind of saying to them like, I need people to help me to stop her, you know? Yeah. And – but he's not doing anything so he needs someone else to help him and i think that sure. the only person can be is maeve and then maybe we'll also get the hemsworth brother uh who comes in cuz remember he's a host too yeah and that's yep. that i think that would be interesting if if that's kind of his in but then also i'm like yeah man you're going back to Westworld and you're kind of like the most wanted man in the world for fucking up Westworld. <laughs> you know, like, right, why are you going right. back there? So it, yeah, 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 yeah. it, it, it excited me. But then the more I thought about it, I don't know. Why do you think, uh, what do you, what are you thinking?
0: Um, Well, I hadn't even thought of the Mave thing. I instantly thought Ford. Actually, that's what I I thought for some reason. Like I thought, can he dig up a a remnant of Ford that's still um, injected into the technology of Westworld or the parks? Um, So that's where my mind instantly went when I saw that he was going back to Westworld. I thought
1: reunite with right, like reunite Arnold and Ford together and kind of they right. started this. I do I like that idea. You know what Ken? I like that a lot because if you think about it um really his um his cornerstone is not the dead son or anything. It's Ford. Yeah. Right? That's the most important that relationship to Ford. And Dolores, in a sense, that kind of—they're like the triumphant here.
0: Yeah,
1: I've always seen, you know, because Maeve was really Ford's favorite, and Dolores was Arnold's favorite. And I remember that scene where where Ford says that. I think a lot of people, when I'm hearing people talk about Westworld, they forget that Ford says it blatantly. He says, "Maeve, you are my child. Yeah, you are the important thing to me. It's not Dolores. He has that." really bad relationship with her i mean she killed him in the end right (laughs) he couldn't have his own daughter kill him that's interesting isn't it
0: it is interesting
1: arnold had his daughter kill him but ford tells his daughter to escape right so um i like the idea that he's going back and that we'll see ford again because i don't buy it Ford was able to leave the forge by becoming a program that got injected into Bernard. Then he erased him. And then we find out at the end of season two, that the person who helped him put the plan together was himself, but he created Ford because he needed him again, signaling that that's his cornerstone. So I like that idea a lot. Maybe, maybe it'll be, by accident, or maybe it's Maeve and Ford, you well, know? Maybe,
0: but, maybe he'll reconnect with Ford and Ford will instruct him to ah, seek out Maeve. I like that.
1: I like that. Because yeah, um, be. that's that that's some interesting stuff. I do want to mention that. I want to say that meat plant was interesting because it was like there were cows, but there was also like fake meat growing off of the wall. like those Like they were growing meat.
0: It was gross, actually. <laughs> it made me remember – it made me realize once and for all that I will never work at a meat plant. Yeah. That will never
1: happen. It reminded me of my, uh, my brother was a huge – he loved hot dogs when we were growing up. And then on um, Boy Scouts, he went to a hot dog plant. And uh, he never ate another hot dog his entire life. And he's a vegetarian now. <laughs> <laughs> so don't work at a meat plant, especially one where they're growing meat off the side of a dirty, uh, <laughs> a dirty tin wall or whatever it was.
0: But, um, oh my God.
1: Okay, let's, let's end it, buddy. This is going so great, by the way. I'm so happy we're doing this podcast, brother. I just have to mention that. Um, let's talk about the stinger, Mave. We got to see Maeve a little bit. What did you – she looks like she's fighting
0: Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) Maeve versus the Nazis. Great. Um, I did not think it was going to happen. I didn't think there would be another post-credit scene. Um, I thought we would pick up with Maeve in episode two. So I was delighted that there was a post-credit scene. I was delighted that that it was Maeve. Um, I was delighted that we got to see War World or at least a little bit of War World. Um, which is not easy to say, by the way, war, <laughs> world. Uh, it's not at all. <laughs> no, it's a mouthful. Um, so, um, and like every good scene in Westworld, it made me want to ask a million questions. Like, has how long has she been in the park? But it seemed like she just woke up. Like, it seemed yeah. like, she, like, it seemed like the Maeve we know just woke up because she was in the middle of something torturing a dude who knew her. And then she looked down at her hand and her hand was all pulpy as if she had been punching the hell out of them. Yeah. But she didn't seem to know what was going on. And she seemed to be the Maeve that we have known and fallen in love with. So what happened? Like, had she been in war world this whole time? And then for some inexplicable reason, her consciousness finally got turned on. So it made me, I was, and, and she looked beautiful in her world war two outfit um, and her hair, like just her costuming was, was brilliant. Um, she looked like she looked beautiful, but, um, but beyond the aesthetics of it, I just had a million questions like, What? Why does it seem like she's just waking up, even though it seems like she's been in the world, this world, for a long time? Um, So I have a – like per usual with Westworld, I loved it, but I have a million questions.
1: I think that that's very astute. We picked up on the same thing. Perhaps – well, the last time we saw Maeve, we knew that Felix and Sylvester had been tasked with – like figuring out which which hosts to bring back online, and obviously Felix is going to take care of Maeve, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they have somehow bifurcated her consciousness and tucked it away, so uh, so she's not found.
0: Oh, that's interesting, right? Yeah.
1: Maybe yeah. we're seeing her wake up after Bernard has gotten back to Westworld and somehow woke her up. Interesting, um, more interesting, or because there has to be the reason why I say that is it's three months later, Westworld still seems to be in operation based on the uh conversation that the board had, yeah, but it's still in Dalo, seems to be in somewhat of a shambles. Yeah. So I would suppose that just like any good capitalist venture, they want to get up and running just as soon as possible and offer yeah. discount rates to those who have never been able to afford the experience of Westworld. And guess what? We also have a brand new park called War World. So, you know, how soon after is this? Perhaps yeah. this is literally perhaps Maeve was just sitting on a shelf and deactivated, you know, Um And then they had to turn her on in some way, you know, I'm not quite sure. It's really interesting, but it gives us again, though we are in a straight timeline, this three month gap still does provide enough questions for us to get a little bit of some flashback fill-ins or to find out information that changes the nature of what we think we're watching which I still find exciting, especially
0: in terms of Westworld's crazy narrative style. I think with Westworld, you always have to ask to some degree, when is it in addition to what is it? Um, And the the thing that makes me think that the Maeve thing may be out of time is because it was a post-credit scene, so not connected – to the episode proper. True. Um, And so it makes me think what timeline did that scene take place in? Did it take place not long after the events of season two? Um, So is it further up in the three month gap? Um, Or is it like while all of these other things are happening um, in Los Angeles? Um, It'll be interesting to see like where not only what's going on with Maeve, But when is it going on with me?
1: See, there's still some questions here in Westworld, baby. All right, man. Well, I just wanted to mention one last thing because I'm looking through my notes. I just wanted to give a shout out. Now, I don't know. Are you a football? You are a football fan, right? Oh, yeah. Huge football. fan. So you recognize
0: that's Marshawn Lynch. Oh, yeah, I did. I love it. (laughs) And I loved, you know, there were. One of the things I love about Westworld, especially this season, since we're seeing the real world, quote unquote, um, is the subtlety of the technology. The T-shirt he was wearing was awesome. Um, (laughs) And the technology of the T-shirt that he was wearing. Angry,
1: happy. Yeah, that was great. And it changed as accordingly.
0: Right, it did. And and then on top of that, uh, my shout out will be. Since you shouted out Marshawn Lynch, I'm going to shout out uh, um, Dolores' dress change um, at the oh, party. Oh, that was wonderful. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there are some amount of women out there who were watching the show who are like, I wish that technology existed now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there, there was, now I don't watch it anymore, but I know that on Project Runway, Somebody yes. did that. They did yeah. a dress and it was just within the last month or so or a couple months because I huh. saw a clip of it where a woman is walking down and she pulls the center and the dress fl- like flips over and changes like that. Yeah. I, and, and the way they shot it, that was such a awesome walk that she gave. Yes. And then they had the two people look at her. I'd <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> be like, whoa. And everybody was kind of looking at her. I mean, I really have to say that they did an amazing job of making her look so young and innocent when she was Dolores. And in this yeah. episode, the transformation, I found it to be rather stunning. Evan Rachel would look like she was older and more confident. She was carrying herself. It just goes to show you the importance. What makes a great actor is not just a delivery of dialogue. It's their body, their motion, the way they carry themselves.
0: And she looked like a completely different person. She did. And, um, and it it just, you're right. Her journey, so to speak, um, her journey in tonight as Ford would say mm-hmm. um, has been one of the most fascinating, if not the most fascinating personal journey in the story. Um, you know, we've seen the development of Maeve to some degree. We saw some development with Teddy. Um, we've seen some development or at least filling in for William. Um, so, like these character, I mean, as you know, I'm a huge character guy and character beat guy. So all of these little character beats are really interesting to me, and and I'll be fascinated to see not only where where the mythology is going, but where are these characters going? Definitely.
1: All right, buddy. I think that brings us to the end of our
0: first Westworld show together. It, it was fun. It was so much fun talking to you about something that I love, yet another thing that I love, and I've had a great time. Yeah,
1: this is great. And listen, if you all enjoyed this episode and you're new to us, once again, we're going to be giving you three episodes a week with three different sets of hosts. Ken and I are going to be coming to you every Monday afternoon. Wednesday, it's Jenny, Brett, and I. Friday, it's Gina, Tim, and Andy. We're probably going to end up doing crazy shows in between because, hey, look, everybody stay safe out there. If you're listening to this podcast in the future, this is coronavirus time and uh, everybody is a little bit scared. But the one thing we do have is the time to spend with each other talking about something that we love. You're at home, listen to some podcasts, have fun with it. Send us an email, dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Go to our website, dvrpodcast.com. And you can check out, Ken and I covered the entire series of Veronica Mars. We had a great time, not to mention that Tessa Thompson uh veronica mars we have to mention that okay of course right that's where she kind of got her start so i have to throw it out there yes um and uh this is gonna just be a great season check us out stay safe out there everybody peace out
0: all right that's it baby oh that was so that was so good It's
1: time for a theory cast, one that you will enjoy. It's the West World Theory Cast, the West World Theory Cast.